0: Oh, hello there. I'd like to take just a minute of your time to talk about the Lord. That's right, I'm using my second official episode to alienate half of my already diminutive audience, by talking about religion. This is one I've been waiting to do for a really long time. (laughs) My name is Josh D. Young, and this is Into the Fray. Alright, so buckle up because this is about to be a lot of information that I've been gathering for a really long time in, um, you know, efforts of just figuring out, you know, what is life, what is the meaning, and all the answers and everything. Um, Especially, um, I'm sure that I have friends, family members maybe that are concerned about me or think that I may be having some sort of crisis of faith, uh, you know, given the um, the death of my son. And uh, I've said that, you know, I was mad at God, you know, I don't like God's plan. And, you know, maybe people may think I'm turning my back on religion or losing faith or something, and I just want to take this moment to um, <clears throat> set the record straight and just um, just uh, let everybody know kind of where I'm at because this is something that's been building for a really long time, actually. Excuse me. Really long time, actually. Uh, you know, long before uh, the death of my son and everything. Like I, I've been looking into, well, it's start from the beginning I suppose like uh, one of the so I was raised Christian my whole life and that was what I believed and stuck to and you know I believed the I believe the Bible was 100% real and completely factual and you know I went to I went to church went to all the Christian schools and that's what we were taught and it was all uh, very like ingrained into everything we learned like all the you know, all the science and creation and everything that you know, they talked about. You know, uh, like this is how biology works. Isn't God wonderful? And, You know, stuff like that. And it, and it's it really was. Um. I I liked that perspective growing up and everything. And I had the I um. Still do. I'm not saying I've I'm ditching that yet. Just don't jump the gun on me yet. I'm explaining a lot. It's going to take like everything I do. It's going to this is going to take a really long roundabout way, but eventually I'm going to come back around to the point. And uh yeah. So um this all started in in high school, I think. Uh was where my mind started really expanding outside the possibilities of okay, maybe uh Christianity isn't like the only one perfect truth you know like maybe there's a little something more out there that we're just not getting because um well I started especially um in my I had an honors philosophy class that was run by our our principal Paul Dahl at the time and I believe it only happened for a one year just because uh, it turned out he ended up being so busy he would he would miss half of the classes and other decks someone would have to sub in and do the other curriculum but we had a great time we talked about you know all the great philosophers socrates marcus aurelius um or more recent ones you know c.s lewis read mirror uh mere faith or mere christianity i don't know something like that but um lots of good solid information and we talked about um uh, this concept of res versus noose. That's res, R-E-S versus noose, N-O-U-S, or Nas. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. But anyway, the point is there's two kinds of reality. There's the way we perceive it, and that's the noose, I believe. And then res is, it just is what it is. Like, as uh, Mr. Dull said, just eggs is eggs. Like, that is what... Um, uh you they go oh, that is the like the one true truth and the one uh I remember like one metaphor that somebody's we did a field trip to a Jewish synagogue one time and um uh, one of the questions that inevitably came up was you know, a student asked like well don't you think that Christianity's wrong? Like what do you think like you just straight up asked him like So like what do you really think happened? Like what's like what's the real truth? Like you think like you really you really just don't think Jesus is legit or whatever? <laughs> or something like that. And um well, and the person who had given us this tour used a metaphor and said, "Well, it's imagine it's like this. There's a car crash right at a at an intersection, and there's four people standing on four different corners, and they all see something a little bit different, but there's it's still the car crash, right? There's, there were none of them are wrong. You know, they might have some different perspectives, but they're not wrong, and." You know that bothered me at the time because i was like okay but like then what actually happened like that's not the answer like every if everybody's got different perspectives then not everybody can be right you know so i'm like so what's what's the thing what's the the res what's the what is real reality what is it like what what is it what is the thing what is what do we have to follow and um So uh, another interesting concept that was introduced to me in high school was uh, the now, of course, extremely controversial concept of universalism, which is, um, Mr. Dull told me this, he, uh, like, I I asked things, um, a question about, it was something like, like, well, what do you think about, like, do you think it's fair for God to, you know, send somebody to hell? like just because they never heard of jesus like you know if somebody you know we send these missionaries out to all these foreign countries you know third world countries where they're you know these tribes living in you know and they believe in like the rainbow snake god or something and you know we're we're really gonna send them to it like is it fair to send them to hell for believing in that because that's just like you know their own limited perspective right and he um The way he explained it to me was, well, I believe that, you know, God loves everyone and he'll judge us according to the amount of light that we've been given, right? So, like, some of us get a little bit of truth, like, and we only get, like, so, like, say if if you're in a dark cave and you need to see, right, we get, like, a little, a candle, and you only can see, like, just a little bit of what's in front of your face, but, like, you just take it, you know, one step at a time. Like, you can't see the big picture, but you just keep on... You know, just you could do your work with what you got and God will just meet you where you at and meet you halfway. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. But like then it kind of almost doesn't matter what you believe. And he's like, well, not really, because if you know if you know the truth and you reject it, that is hell. Like that's that's what will send you to hell. So like if you know about God, you know, Jesus can save you. And and you know you kind of accept him into your life and you'll have eternal life. Then you say no, then you go to hell. I'm like, oh, well that's stupid. Who would do that? But um, you know now as an adult, just sort of like thinking about that. If we um, uh, right, universalism. I one thing that uh, later on after high school, I read um, Love Wins by Rob Bell, right and uh he talked about how well it's, it's really crazy like the way he introduced it was uh you know in the beginning of the book he talks about how there was an art exhibit at his church one time and somebody had done like a really beautiful painting of gandhi and somebody took it upon themselves to take a post-it note and stick it on this awesome gandhi painting and it says news flash gandhi's in hell and he goes what really like gandhi like like Gandhi, he's in hell. You're sure? Like, how do you know? Like how? Like you're for sure? Like just because he, he wasn't Christian or like so, and uh, right. So he explains how the concept of heaven and hell. You know, there may not be these uh, amazing you know other places that are not um you know that are that aren't here now. Do you know what I mean? Like there like like it's somewhere you go when you die right and if you did a good life you go to this place it's called heaven it's up in the clouds there's tarps and rainbows and you know all the kind of wonder you know more it's beyond anything we could ever imagine you know there's and you know book of course people you know paint these you know images of you know angels and stuff like i was just referring to but um and you know, hell's a place with fire and brimstone and eternal suffering, right? Or you know, some well, and you know, so, someone explained it to me once. It might have even been my mom. She said, uh, "She like, or or maybe one of my teachers. I don't know, but maybe it, a lot of people believe this. That hell is uh, separation from the love of God. So, like, God is no longer with you, right? Like, He just has turned His back on you, and." like god doesn't love you anymore and like you're in a place away from that so but he talks about how these aren't places we go when we die these are states that that can happen like in this life like right now like like you know when you know, somebody has a you know a wonderful experience i was like oh this is great this is like heaven this is awesome and you know when things are terrible He say it's like going through hell and i i believe strongly that that's you know very much more the case like i think so um you know things like you know like death losing somebody you love like just being you know violently like having love like violently ripped out of your arms you know like that's hell or it can take other forms like you know even when you're still alive like you know if a kid uh, comes out to his parents or something and they reject him, like, well, like, I won't have a gay son or, like, they'll kick, kick him out or something. Just be... Because, like, saying, I fundamentally reject you for who you are. I don't love you anymore. That's hell. Um, you know, war is hell, they say. I keep going back to M.A.S.H., but I think it's about even the same episode. Yeah, it was. That I referenced in my first episode, if you go back and listen. Um, but... The scene is where, um, you know, Alan Alda's talking to the priest. And uh, he said, you know, they say war is hell, but I think it's two different things. Because I think, you know, hell is hell. It's like hell is hell and war is war. And of the two of them, war is worse. And the priest says, well, why do you say that? And he said, well, who goes to hell? I was like, uh, you know, bad people, sinners. He's like, right. Well, in war, lots of innocent people get killed and they don't deserve it cerebrals but that's you know but war is hell so that's you know it's like what that is like hell takes many forms even when you're still alive um depression is hell that's why i said um you know uh so you know and and, then all these uh i watched some of these uh, different videos i've one of them's uh ralph smart infinite waters he said that uh depression is repression so like my teacher had said, like holding back from the truth or, you know, denying yourself or denying who you are or something like that. like And, uh, you know, not being allowed to fully be yourself and be loved and accepted for who you are. You know, that is like a form of hell, like denying yourself. And really that's part of why I'm doing this, uh, by the way, uh, just, um, <clears throat> you know I've had these uh you know develop- been developing these views for a while, and you know part of the process is like I don't always you know you don't always feel good or sure about what you're believing like maybe um like is it all wrong or like are you am i you know losing you know the like the faith I once had or something or like no I'm just growing changing developing and um I just wanted to like sort of take you guys along for the ride and just sort of see, um, like I know it's a little kind of scary, but I just wanted to put that out there and see if this, this can resonate with anybody and if it can um, help somebody out and their uh, crisis of faith or dark night of the soul, what have you, whatever you want to call it, um, doors, if you're really bummed out all the time. I hope this helps you out. Anyway, uh, so let's see, uh, Love Wins, Rob Bell, right, um, and, uh, let's see, started listening to podcasts, uh, Joe Rogan mostly, and then, um, eventually I heard of this one called The Bad Christian Podcast, and, uh, that was the guys, uh, the dudes from Emory, uh, which was one of my favorite Christian screamo bands from back in the day, um, i could do a whole separate podcast about just them but anyway and they talked about uh, the pete holmes podcast called you made it weird and um that's a, he actually has a really interesting story as well pete holmes uh pete holmes uh, much like myself was uh raised you know very conservative christian you know probably waited until he was married to have sex uh you know was married uh got divorced um no, oh, and he's a this, this stand-up comedian, by the way, and podcaster, obviously. Anyway, and um, so we're actually fairly similar people. He does—he does the uh, college humor uh, Batman sketches. It's hilarious. If you've never seen those, do yourself a favor, go look him up. Look up the one where he finds his voice. That's my favorite. The Batman versus Superman one's pretty good too. Anyway, um, but yeah, he likes talking about, you know, matters of uh faith and he always asks is it podcasts are usually like two hours long and the first half is you know real chummy fun stuff and then uh second hour is always like where they get into like so what do you think life's about and i always thought that was really cool and uh that uh led me down another path he always liked talking about this guy ramdas if you don't know who ramdas is that's Man, this is a very dense podcast with a lot of information to remember. I'm sorry. So take notes if you have to. <laughs> I suggest Evernote. It's a great app. Not sponsored or anything, but I use it all the time and it's pretty cool. You can edit notes from anywhere. Anyway. So Ramdas is a guy. He used to be named Richard Alpert, I believe. If I got that wrong, I'm sorry. But anyway. He was a Harvard professor and decided—professor uh, of psychology, I believe, and um, I believe this was in like the late 70s, uh, as an adult, you know, well-established, you know, Harvard professor, obviously, and he um, he uh, decided—him and a friend got together and, you know, it's was like, you know what? You're a really smart guy. I'm a really smart guy. We're both responsible adults. Let's try LSD and see what the hype's all about. And um, so he did. And had a very profound loss of self-experience. And um, yeah, you can look up on YouTube to hear him talk about it or anything. But I'll probably get all the details wrong. But the main point is um, afterwards he was looking for answers. And uh, he headed... Uh, way out east to India in search of uh something, I guess, and he ended up finding this guy, like a like a real bona fide guru. Um his name was Neem Karoli Baba, and he or went by the name of Maharaji, which I think means teacher. And um he said the first time he met him, um, he had been thinking he'd been looking up at the stars and uh, thinking about his mother the day before, and the first time he sees this guy, uh, Maharaj, he says something about his mother. He thinks that's really weird, and uh, he just felt uh, this great warmth come from this person. Like he never wanted anything, never asked for anything. Like you couldn't, you couldn't give him anything. Like he would just like, just didn't. It was never in want. He would just wanted to just be in the company of people and like reflect back to them themselves it was uh, uh very fascinating and uh, one of the craziest stories he ever told about him was one time he uh Maharaji said he was always uh he could close his eyes and be in the presence of Jesus and uh when I heard that that kind of took me aback a little bit actually because it was like oh wait a minute what's this like like way Eastern, you know, in, you know India. That's like Hindu shit, right? Like, what does he know about uh, Jesus, Christianity? But he said he was with, with Jesus or with Christ or something. Just when he closed his eyes. And one time, um, uh, this guy Richard, his, he, had, he gave him a new name. He called he. That's how he changed his name to Ramdas. Um, if you want to look that up, it's R A M D A S S. Uh, anyway, it's. Um, so he well, one time he brought some LSD with him when he was meeting Maharaji, and Maharaji asked him, "Hey, do you have uh, do you have the candy? You have uh he called it yogi candy." <laughs> um. And he said uh, he's like, "What? Uh, yeah, sure." He said, "Give me some." And um, I think he actually did this twice too. Like one time he took a little bit, and another time he took even more. But uh, he, he said he took a took a large dose of LSD and just put the whole thing in his mouth and just swallowed it and nothing happened. He wasn't changed. He wasn't, because he, cause he was, I guess he was just already there. Like he had the, it was all within his own mind. And like he was like, the, he was an old man at the time too. So, you know, Ramdas was like really nervous about giving this to him because this was like enough for a, lot of, a couple of grown adults. And he just took the whole thing and was like, Nope, it's fine. It's normal. It's normal. And um yeah, so that's and they they have, they have so and you can listen to other guys talk about uh just other crazy fascinating stories about this guy Maharaji. He has you know, disciples that you know, they get together and like we'll have talks to this day. Some of them have, are uh, musicians uh one's uh krishnada that's k-r-i-s-h-n-a-d-a-s i think yeah i'm pretty sure that's right anyway but yeah this guy it's like he's like a you know like a jesus figure to these people like he was like an, an embodiment today of you know the ideal of you know what we can be if we you know put our minds to it and then you know he was you know totally committed to other people like with no like no uh need for himself no want for himself he didn't ask he just wanted to give and he was just happy and just in that in that constant state of you know bliss and christ-like consciousness and that's like whew, like that's that's some next level crazy stuff that's something to aspire to like because it's you know, it's like, you know, when they say be like Jesus, you know, you imagine, yeah, well, I was so long ago and he was perfect. You can't be perfect. Like, well, still doable. <laughs> um, You know, some people, you know, they think, you know, whatever they're doing, you know, with, you know, whatever religion you're doing, like if you think you're doing pretty good, you could always be doing better. You know, just sometimes, you know, these people, you got to stop, take a minute, take a good long look in the mirror and really, you know, examine yourself uh, you know, look into your own eyes and examine your soul and look at, you know, am I, am I doing this right? Like, it's, it's all, you, you look into your own mind. Like, this is why uh, meditation is so important. And, uh, and of course, that's why I keep putting it off because I'm bad at stuff and I am <laughs> don't take the time out of the day to do stuff like that i mean i practice um i try to practice like active meditation like just stop for a second um i think duncan trussell was just talking about this sort of on the joe rogan experience and he put it really well he said he was working with a guy that tells him to um if you're ever getting like you know really stressed out or like you're thinking a lot or worrying about something that's going to happen or you know, something that has happened, like, or if you're just, like, really shaking, like, just stop for a second and just focus on your breathing and just... And then you just go, huh, thinking. And then you just, like, go back to, you know, focusing on your breathing and then, like, you're... Like, I guess it's, it's a way to, like, you know, take a moment and step outside yourself and, you know, in all of these, um... You know, a lot of different practices, focus... emphasis on the breath is so important um because it connects you to your uh subconscious part of the brain the part the part of your body that uh you know normally you don't have to think about breathing Like you know you don't have to go you know breathe breathe or, you know, people aren't just passing out like there's a part of your brain that takes care of that see it's the subconscious part of your brain that keeps you breathing most of the time when you're not thinking about it and um that's why breath is so important because breath is like our connection with god because god is you know if he loves you that's you know he's keeping you alive so that's you know he's using that part of your mind to keep you alive right and um and i was reading a book about um you know the placebo effect and you know how you know you know these breathing exercises and meditations can get you into this into access your subconscious mind and uh you know that and you know communicate with your own dna and you know manipulate it like you can really like like play god like you know god is is in your own mind and this is coming from a guy who the guy who wrote this he uh got in a horrible accident his spine was all messed up and instead of surgery he opted to just um meditate and like every day he like to, he saw uh, an x-ray of his spine next to a healthy spine and he imagined it and he would close his eyes and like just picture it like being put back together and he would do this like every day like because and all he had was time because you know because he's paralyzed laying in bed whatever can't do it so he's just picturing picturing himself you know putting putting his spine back together and just you know visualizing it as hard as he can and now he's totally healthy and uh, so he wrote this whole book about the placebo effect and how it um you know different ways that it can work like Uh, And and the book details the story of, uh, you know, in World War II, there was, uh, you know, one battle where all the nurses went out and they they ran out of morphine. And, you know, they had to do, you know, field surgeries on these wounded soldiers and, uh, you know, they didn't have anything. So, instead of just giving them nothing, though, they filled the bags back up with water and... Instead of morphine, they just, you know, this, they gave water to these wounded soldiers and just pumped it into their veins, but you didn't tell them anything. They just filled in these bags of morphine. They believed it was morphine, and their bodies responded accordingly. And, like, they didn't feel the pain. It You know, it went away. Like, the anesthetic worked, but it was water. Like, so you could, like, we have the power to heal ourselves within ourselves, but... The problem is, like, you you can't really trick yourself. Is the thing <laughs> you have to just believe that you know you you can be healed, and uh, yeah, it it can happen. There's a there's yeah, if if you're interested, you know, there's so many other good examples. The book's called uh, "You Are the Placebo" by Doctor Joe Dispenza, and uh, he's got a lot of great talks on YouTube too. If you don't have time to read the whole thing. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, and so he he basically figured out how to duplicate his own, you know, meditations and he has these, you know, seminars with people and now he gets them to, you know, heal their own problems. And he had people who uh, were, like, ditching their walkers or, you know, back braces or stuff like that, you know, after a few sessions, like he was, like, found a way to, like, manufacture miracles, basically, like... Um, yeah, and you know, I mean, you know, if that sounds crazy to you and you don't want to believe it, you know, whatever, but, uh, you should just look into it. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) You should look into it, man. Eddie Bravo, shout out, anyway. Dr. Dispenza goes on to speculate that perhaps in Jesus' time, um, when he was healing people just by touching them or, you know, them by touching him, you know, there are stories where, um, People believed where oh if I can just touch him if I can touch part of his clothes or something I can be healed. Well, if as if they really truly believed that, that's what would happen. Like so, the theory is that uh, you, you know maybe it wasn't the holy touch of Jesus Christ that was saving people, but it was their faith. It was their faith in the power of their own minds. Um, more examples. Uh, he talked about sham knee surgeries where you know people will go in for a knee surgery and these people I, i guess for i don't know if this is even ethical or not treating them like guinea pigs like this but um yeah the people they go in for knee surgery they tell them you're going to have knee surgery and afterwards you're going to feel better and they go okay they put them under anesthesia put a cut in their knee just cut them open stitch them back up without doing anything else and when they wake up, they go, All right, all done, and send them on their way. And you know, they tell them, You know, six to eight weeks, I should feel all better. You know, don't put too much strain on it right now. And they're like, Okay, six to eight weeks, cool. And then they're fine. They've healed themselves. And sometimes it, it goes better than the actual knee surgeries, because if they get a replacement, uh, you know, sometimes they they even have complications with those or if it's like a, a cadaver tendon or something like that, you know, sometimes they don't always take. But, um, yeah, fake knee surgeries had a higher success rate for, you know, the immediate and for longevity, which is insane if you think about it. You know, so it's really, it's all in your head. It's all in your head. Oh, well, great. So it's all in my head. Does that mean everything everything I know is a lie now you know if I've been do it making a mistake you know practicing this religion or that religion my whole life no no not at all I like to you know like everything in my life I, I like to compare it to fighting so uh say you go to a taekwondo school and say teach me to fight well they'll teach you taekwondo and that's their version of fighting. There's a lot, lots of kicks, and you know you'll learn to kick and throw a punch, and you learn some timing and some really cool stuff. You can get really good at Taekwondo, win some tournaments, and uh, you know then you go to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu school and go, hey, I want to fight, and they go, okay, and then you start throwing like a crazy spinny kick or something, and then the guy goes down, takes you down, and then uh, chokes you out, and you're like, whoa, wait, whoa, what happened? I thought I could fight. I, was, I, I thought I was really good at fighting. I have all these medals that tell me I'm a good fighter. You know, th- you know, I, uh, um, or, uh, let's see, uh, I, oh yeah, Joe Rogan Experience, they were just talking about how Lawrence Kenshin did a video on the big fight between, um, uh, gosh, it was Duke Rufus, Rick Rufus, yeah, Rick Rufus, Duke Rufus's older brother, went back when he was a world champion in the 80s, fought this, a Thai fighter, I can't remember his name now, I feel like a dunce, but... Um, he fought a Muay Thai fighter. And uh, he fought him under these new rules where they allowed leg kicks. They used to not allow leg kicks in American kickboxing. So um, this this fight was the first time leg kicks were allowed. And he kicked the shit out of Rick Rufus's legs. And he was winning that fight at first, too. But, you know, he toughed it out and just kept kicking him in the leg, kicking him in the leg, wearing him down. And he was like, oh, well, what's happening? And it was the fight, you know, the I think it's called the... If you look it up on YouTube, it's the fight that changed kickboxing or something. But anyway, so that, uh, I had an experience like this myself. Even I was uh, I was training with the intention of doing MMA. Um, you know, I was starting to get serious about it, and I uh, you know, just went to you know my lo- local gym, Blues Gym. If you're looking to train somewhere, it's the cheapest place in town. They have everything you could possibly need. People equipment everything anyway i went to blues gym brought my buddy along who was also looking to do mma and we started it was the first time i ever did a round of uh mma sparring like i was i did karate when i was a kid i did a little bit of boxing so i had pretty good hands i was did decent in the pocket but anyway so uh this was my first time doing mma sparring and um doing pretty good i'm kicking him in the leg i'm slipping punches um that landed a good punch a little harder than i even meant to for the first time sparring well i was like oh yeah and then he it's as soon as i did that he took me down and put me in a, a arm triangle choke and i i had no idea what i was doing and i was just flopping on the ground like i remembered enough from my karate class from like they, they taught us how to get out of a headlock and i knew you had to like turn into it or something and I remembered something Joe Rogan said in one of the UFC fights about the act like you're answering the phone or something, and I did I did enough to not pass out by the time the bell rang. So that was the extent of my ground game at the time, and I was like, I have to, I need to get into this. So I start you know looking up Brazilian Jiu Jitsu videos, going to dropping in a couple open mats, and this is this that and the other, just expanding my knowledge of the martial arts more so i can get a more complete picture of you know what there is to this thing called fighting and that's why i love mma so much it's the ultimate proving ground for you know what really does what what is real what's reality and when it comes to fighting so uh the same thing can be said about religion so they say if you go to a church and you ask them how do i do life what you know what should i do well they'll tell you the whole story sit you down and say like well jesus died for your sins accept him into your life and then you start to follow these rules you know live your life in a way that uh is good and pleasing to him and uh you know if you mess up you can ask for forgiveness and then someone goes okay that sounds pretty good and then they they believe that and that's their belief system for the rest of their life sometimes or um and you know and then you, you you might go somewhere else that you know and ask them you know, go to a, a Buddhist temple, ask them, you know, well, how, how do you do life? And they explain all these different things. You're like, whoa, whoa, this is so far, you know, out of my realm. They, you know, what's, you know, what am I doing? So, um, well, uh, ironically, well, I don't know if it's that ironic or if it's really just fate, but, um, my studies of expanding my mind, it, my knowledge of the martial arts, has led to, uh expansion in my spiritual searches actually I'll, I'll explain i got this book from the library it was called mastering Kempo by william durbin and it was fascinating actually because he goes into the whole the history the philosophy of that martial art and i guess Kempo is like one of the oldest or the oldest ones to come out of japan and it's all-encompassing in anyway. and uh it goes into the history of the martial arts and explains how uh, basically, every, at least everything in the East, I believe, like the China, China, Japan, that region, it all came, all the martial arts originated in India. Uh, specifically, the one that brought all of that to China was this guy, his name was Bodhidharma. And Bodhidharma, he had pr- trouble with the Buddhist monks in China because they were out of shape, You know, they were lethargic, maybe, they were even falling asleep during meditations and stuff. So he added in this martial arts regimen to the training and uh, probably doing uh, what, you know, in karate we would call kata or literally translated as dance. You know, some people call them forms, you know, the specific set of moves. And this was incorporated into their spiritual practice. And um, that's how Kung Fu started apparently it was so that's that's really cool so i was like wow bodhidharma i gotta look up this guy um and so i i was like well who was this guy like i was going to learn more about what he was into and i guess i i watched um uh, there's a whole series of video of lectures on youtube they're about an hour a piece of this guy talking about uh, a zen monk he's t- and he's telling a reading on the teachings of bodhidharma and what he said was um one of the things that really stuck out to me was he said that without buddha there is no mind and without mind there is no buddha and he goes well you can even change the words around if that doesn't you know fit your world view you can say there is no god with there is no mind without god and there is no god without your mind he said goes if god exists outside your mind where is he if God exists or if Buddha exists outside your mind, where is he? It's all in your mind this is my and I've, um one of my favorite 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 moments from one of my favorite series uh Harry Potter um spoiler alerts ahead you know if you have uh, been living under a rock for the past couple decades and haven't read the books or seen any of the movies. Um, but anyway, uh, one of my favorite scenes from the final book, movie, whatever, my, my favorite scene is one where Harry is during the final battle and uh, Harry has been put into this comatose like state where he's un- unconscious or he's not really sure what's going on and he's in, he wakes up and he's in platform nine and three quarters except it's all white. It's all white very bright and heavenly and um he sees uh Dumbledore is there and uh, you know the headmaster of Hogwarts and his you know his leader guide and all of this in life and everything but he's in this this place and they're talk and basically what it comes down to is he has a choice uh you know, he's like, he's like, what do I, what do I do now? And there's a train coming, and he's like, well, you can take it, take this train and move on, or you can go back. So he basically had to choose whether he wanted to pass on to the next life or go back and save his friends in this final battle. And as he's pondering this decision, he even stops and like talk, says to Dumbledore, "Wait, wait a minute, is, what, what is this even? Where, where am I? Is this all just in my head? He's like, is this real or is this just in my head?" And Dumbledore says, My dear boy, just because it's in your head doesn't mean it's not real. And that was like the. Like mind blown. Like, that's it. That's the moment. And he's talking. And, um, you know, going back to Bodhidharma, he talks about how uh, uh, the mind is fast. Oh, by the way, even. Calling it mind is a mistake, he said, because, you know, you, by using words, you remove yourself further from what the thing actually is. You know, like I was saying, like the, the reality, like eggs is eggs. Like you look at that and you know an egg, what it is and everything. But the word egg, like egg, that could mean, you know, it could be, we you know, huevos or you know, whatever, whatever. The other thing it is like it still is what it is so you when when we use the word mind it causes us to um you know you think mind oh that's the thing inside my brain inside my head inside my car or you know inside my house while i'm looking to, listening to this on this state on the planet in the world and you know you get all go off on this tangent you know mind what is what is the mind you know what yeah you know that and that's your your, your ego mind, your conscious mind, is the one that goes off on these tangents. Like, well, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. It was like, no, the, the, the then the subconscious, the mind, is the the knowing, um, w- which is why it's so important to, to connect with that part of yourself. You know, what is yourself? Like, you know, what is what is listening to this right now? You know, who is observing this? You know, who am I? Um. I believe that's part of why um you know in the story of Moses you know um you know God comes to him in this this vision of this burning bush and tells him to go go to Pharaoh with all of his armies and all of his subordinates and you know people under his command you go to Pharaoh and say hey let my people go and so Moses goes, well, well uh, how, what, what do you mean? Like, what? They're not. Nobody's going to take me seriously. Well, who, who am I supposed to say sent me? If they ask me who sent me, what, what do I say? And God says, "Tell them I am sent you." And uh, I always thought that was an oddly phrased sentence. Tell them I am sent you. And I was like, well, well you know, maybe if we change it just a little bit, tell them, I said, you know, when so when when he comes out saying it's like, I am sent me, you know, maybe like, what if he changed it, you know, he goes shows up in front of Pharaoh, and he's like, hey, let my people go, or else. And Pharaoh was, oh, that's adorable. What do you, you know, who who sent you? Who like what are you? The, what is this? Like, is this a joke? Like, who sent you? Uh, you know. And he basically said, I sent me, motherfucker. And then threw his staff on the ground and it turned into a snake and freaked everybody out. You know, that's that feels like such a more, like, owning the power. Like, it like it gives it more of a shot. Like, I sent me. I I am. I am this. You know, this is why, uh, you know, a lot of, lots of people practice positive affirmations. You know, I am statements. They're so powerful. Saying it out loud. Putting that like vibration out into the world for you to audibly hear making that noise out loud with your voice you know saying I am this I am that because whatever you say about yourself whatever you say you are you're right if you tell yourself you're a loser and you know I am a loser I am depressed and I am never gonna make it you're right or but if you tell yourself you know I am I am powerful, I am wise, I am capable. I am this, I am that. That's why, uh, you know, Muhammad Ali, great example is when he said, uh, "I am the greatest." He said, "I've been saying that since before it was even true." He just kept telling himself, "I am the greatest. I am the greatest. I am the greatest." And then he was. It's really it's it's simple in concept, but so hard to put into practice. You know, hard to conceptualize for a lot of people. You know, being able to, going from just uh, an understanding of how it works and making, turning that into the knowing. Do you know what I mean? So what should you do now? What are some actionable steps that you should be taking after listening to this podcast? Well, I'll tell you. I think you should do whatever you want. I don't know. I'm not your guru. I don't. I don't have. I really don't claim to have the answers. This is just me, just, just throwing it out there, man. Like I'm just. <laughs> I don't know anything. Like who? Who am I? Who am I? That's what you can do. It just every day, just ask yourself that question. Who? Who? What am I? What am I? That's one of the um the Bodhi Dharma teacher. He, what he said was um, you know, every morning when you wake up. Just, you know, close your eyes, focus on your breathing a little bit, bit and just go, what am I, what am I, what am I, and just repeat that over and over and over again just so you can tune out all of the chatter. So, you know, you could, if, if you stop and start thinking about it for too long, you know, you say, what am I, well, I'm a, I'm a guy, I'm a white guy, I'm a Christian white guy, and I'm a living in Michigan, and I'm like, nope, it, what am I, what am I, what am I, just over and over again until you can't think of anything else but you know what are you uh or uh you know if that's if you struggle with that you know all by yourself you, you if your mind really wanders like you're super add like me uh you know you maybe try uh guided meditation or something i've had a lot of good experiences with those <laughs> hey buddy i'm a i'm a christian we don't do guided meditation It's probably gonna turn me into a Buddhist or worse hypnotize me and turn me gay or something. Okay, well first of all, I've heard a lot of these guided meditations. None of them try to turn you gay, so don't worry about that. But uh also, you, you know you say you don't do guided meditations. Uh well, what do you what do you call that when you're in church and everybody closes their eyes at the same time and there's that guy at the front and uh he's he's communicating with the universe on your behalf, and everyone is sort of listening and following along. You know, what do you do? That is a congregational prayer, sir. Words. It's more just words. It's just just another thing, you know, separating you from the thing that it really is, right? And it's pretty. It's just the same thing. Or it's all different. It's all wrong. We're all separate. You know, whatever to believe whatever you want. This is if you have one takeaway from this, I would just say you know be kind, harm none. Other than that, do what you will, and have faith that it's going to get better. Um, and do better. That's that's kind of why I was closing the show with that. When I say do better, that means that you know anybody, whatever you're doing, if you're you know Buddhist, atheist, Christian, whatever you are. Uh, you could be doing better at whatever it is. You know, you could be a better person. You know, you, and the thing is, you know it deep down. You know, whatever you want to call it, it, you know, in your head, if you want to call it the Holy Spirit, you know, pulling you one way. If you want to call it the your inner Buddha, if you want to call it, you know, your inner compass or whatever your moral compass. You know, everybody knows you deep down. Look inside yourself. You know what you should be doing. You're just not doing it. Right. You know, you know, there are things you could be doing to lead a better life than you are right now. Um, I'll close with this one. Uh, One of the I don't think I really touched on this yet. But another thing that I've been getting into a lot is uh, synchronicities like, you know, if you're thinking of a certain song all day really hard, then you get in the car, turn it on it's the radio and the song you were thinking of is playing as you were thinking about like wow that's weird or uh numbers seeing numbers a lot uh you know like a ele- repeating numbers like eleven, eleven, three, three, three. um one of the ones that i saw a lot for a while was at uh, 18 or 818 i still do i see that one a lot of the time and um uh, one time um it was right after i had come home from work and uh it was, and I remember I, I had just pulled into the driveway, and I was like getting ready to turn off the car, and um, I was listening to this radio. If this radio station in Grand Rapids, it's uh, eighty-eight point one WYCE, Independent Radio, awesome station. They play. It's a community radio, so there's no commercials. They just play straight music, and then in between, there's somebody going like, "Okay, that was so and so with this song, and da 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 da." Before that, we had da da, and coming up next, this is Lord Huron with whatever you know, and that that's it. But anyway, so listening to eighty eight point one, and they play all kinds of different stuff. Like just they have this random catalog of stuff. You, they take requests and um. So it, it turns eight eighteen while I'm listening to eighty eight one. So I look at my dial and it's like eight like eight one eight one eight, and I was like, wow. And uh, you know, when you see repeating numbers like that, you know, they say it's supposed to mean something. You know, like like it's a glitch in the matrix. It's a breach in the in our perception of reality. It's the universe trying to communicate with you, right? So like uh, even you know eleven eleven make a wish. You know, everyone's heard that, right? Um you know even if you don't really want to believe in that sort of thing you know if you think yo oh 11, 11, make a wish it brings you right back into the present moment and it causes you to look into yourself make a wish oh what do i want what do i really want if i could ha- if i could have a wish what would i do like what what like what do i want who am i you know it causes you to ponder even for just a second causes you to take pause and you know be present for this moment and so um right 881818 and this song uh, called uh, Have a Little Faith in Me by John Hyatt comes on. And I'm like, that's interesting. It's just, you know, this chorus just have a little faith in me, just over and over again. And I'm like, wow, have faith, have faith, 818, 818, have faith. And so I felt compelled to you know, look at, look up, 818 uh, Bible verses, or like 818 Bible. Now the first thing that comes up is Romans 818. I'll read you the King James Version because I think it sounds pretty. <clears throat> For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And this was at a time, you know, I was still. I mean, I still am, but, you know, just deep in a state of depression, mourning the loss of my son, it was a dark time, and so I, and by this random happenstance, I've come upon this verse, 818, so the sufferings of right now are nothing compared to the glory that is to come, so if, and, uh, yeah, I believe that was, you know, Ezra trying to communicate with me again, so, like, just have faith believe keep doing what you're doing and remember that there's still glory to come after this you know take it basically you know take your suffering and turn it into something positive and good things will happen that's what i believe so uh, i think that's really all i have for you guys today all right, so if you liked this podcast, uh, definitely subscribe. You know, make sure you're following along so you don't miss another episode. It's been a long time since I did the last one, like two and a half weeks. I know I suck at things, but I'm getting better. I'm trying to do better. Um, I also, you know, post things on Instagram a lot more often, so you can follow me on there. At uh, oh, that was the other thing. I changed my Instagram name recently to the official fearless hyena. And uh, that was—I'm naming myself after the my favorite, and I think the most underrated Jackie Chan movie mar- or martial arts movie of all time, *Fearless Hyena*, where he uh, ba- basically uh, his character for the first part of the movie—he, you know, he they he gets dressed up as a janitor working in this dojo, and uh, you know these guys are trying to run a hustle. You know, people will come in and challenge the master, and they say, "Whoa, wait wait, 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 Why don't you fight the janitor?" And he's all cross-eyed, and he's wearing a mustache and stuff. Huh? Why? What do you want? And then, you know, Jackie Chan beats the crap out of all these people, and he's just, you know, goofy, and you know, he's like, he's just toying with these guys. And I'm like, that is so cool. Like, I want to be that guy. You know, he's uh, he's just so carefree. Like, he's taking, you know, everybody's doing these like serious fights and everything. I'm like, that's my. If I got into, if I, if I get into a cage with somebody i want that to be my mentality i'm like i'm just having fun this is a blast he's laughing he's kicking him he's he's talking to him so yeah the follow me on instagram at the official fearless hyena and until next time uh do better it gets better and whatever you do don't let the bastard win love you guys bye do-do-do-do What's more? It's a